follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. So I want to talk about how to build partner intimacy. Um, this is mainly for people who have either been in a, you know, monogamous two people or hey, even three, but for the most part, two people relationship, um, who are just kind of, you know, it gets unexciting after a while <laughs> after, yeah, like six months, a year, year yeah. and a half, two years. Yeah. So let's see what do you, what do you know years. what the average time is for, so, for the honeymoon phase, so to speak, to so, wear off? I don't know strong statistics on this. And this is such a self-report thing because it's when you try to recall your happiness. But I did look at a study some months ago and it's kind of what I've been saying. So that's why I didn't bring it up where it's like the first six months to a year is the most extreme intensity in a relationship. You know, the most excitement, the most uh, not the not the quality of sex, but the quantity of sex. Um I definitely have more sex in the first month, three months, six months. I mean, this is very typical. And for some people, that's not the case. But I think a lot of us move that way through relationship. And then after like a year, year and a half, two years, you start to either, I call it the make or break point, two years. If you're not, if you're still together at two years, you might be together for another five, you know? Right. But if you're on your way out and shit's falling apart at one and a half, you're probably not going to, you know what I mean? I feel like these are general like phases I've been in and then also witnessed in a lot of my peers. But I feel like two years is long enough to really know how compatible (laughs) you are with somebody, even like outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is also, I mean, it's funny. I talked to someone who's been with their partner for 15 or so years. I'm going to use really general terms right now. Um, And their partner just disclosed a, a, I don't know if I would call it a kink, but a turn on that they have that was very surprising to their partner. And it's causing their partner to like re reevaluate a lot of their feelings about sex and intimacy because it's it's a it's a turn on that they have previously due to societal input dismissed as harmful. So it's like it's kind of interesting for me because knowing these people and I said, you know, this is a whole new world of stuff to explore after you guys have been together for so long. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't even think about it like that. I was like, yeah. Why did why did he hide it from her? For no, so she long? hid it from him. Oh, she yeah. hid it from him. What? Why? Do you think maybe that's uh, why? Because it's... it is something that women are shamed for. Okay. It's just another thing some people like that women in particular tend to be shamed for. Uh, men are shamed for it too, but in a different way. I'm just being as general. So right, right. I'm curious if anyone... Um, has any inklings as to what this turn on or you know kink or whatever might be please email me because i'm really interested to see what you think i'm talking about so i have no idea what you could be talking about i will tell you after the our 
when we take a breaky break. Um, I'll tell you later. So yeah, email us pillow talk at strange bedfellows PDX. Um, so let's talk about how to get the spark back. Um, I asked some people actually, I asked the face space. I love asking the face space. And now I tell people, if you leave a comment that I'm going to read it for the podcast, I won't say your name unless you want me to. I said, touch each other's buttholes at least once a month. And I said that because (laughs) (laughs) I went on a dinner date with B yesterday and I said, oh, you didn't call me out for that thing I posted on Facebook. You either didn't read that far or you didn't see it. And he's like, oh, touch each other's buttholes. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, we don't do that. I was like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I should t- I should though I was like what should I do to do things different I don't touch his butthole very often like I'm always patting him on the butt I think he's an adorable little butt anyway so we have make out more oh that's a good one making out just for the sake of making out like teenagers one sweet long kiss with tongue can be like hitting the refresh button even when it doesn't lead to sex oh that's a really good one um and something that i it's kind of weird that i feel like is drops off before the sex does if that Mm, makes any sense mm -hmm. like at about at about the point where you're really starting to get comfortable with somebody and things are starting to get routine but you're still having sex Mm -hmm. i have found kissing goes and i then i start to have a lot of sex with no kissing and no making out i realized that last night when we were having sex that I was like, wow, I'm being really avoidant of his mouth right now. And I was like, well, because he didn't brush his teeth. (laughs) And it's just like, he smokes cigarettes. I don't. He had, we had showered together just previously. I'd put my hair up because I didn't want it to get wet. He's very considerate of that and tries to stand out of the way of spraying me. And it's very, it's very sweet and kind of awkward. But, um, so I'd washed him, wash his mouth out and then like spit the water down the drain. Um, and I asked myself, and this is while we're having, I mean, good, enjoyable, very pleasurable sex, but I like, I wasn't fully present because I remember this conversation in my head and I also remember having it, but I thought, well, this, you'd be tongue kissing him if you, it was a year ago. Why aren't you doing it now? I actually asked myself this last night. So that's really funny. You said that. I think I knew that we were recording today. Well, then maybe <laughs> Start taking notes. Then this isn't maybe something to keep the spark in, like pay attention to your hygiene. I know that when you Mm. get comfortable with somebody, I no longer am like fresh as a daisy every time I go over to their house probably and vice versa. But maybe if you're not. Yeah, whatever's like normal to your hygiene, you know, when like obviously we're putting on airs when we get together. But yeah, I've seen people get so lax in their maintenance. And I'm like, that's kind of like rude to me. And gross. It's like like clip your fingernails and brush your teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If, yeah, there's, it's definitely preference issues. Like if someone's happy with their partner not brushing their teeth for a day or a couple days or a week and that's your deal, but that's not my deal. So whatever you were, um, I feel like if you were trying to be, a certain way when you met them it's not realistic to always like I also asked him yesterday I said you know does it bother you at all when my legs are spiky because I don't like it and if you tell me you're okay with it and it really doesn't bother you like feeling it scratch you then I'm gonna try to be okay with it too he says it really doesn't bother me so I think that's great if you could do that (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay then I'm going to, because I would like to be having sex and not have that little voice in my head where it's like, oh, you didn't shave your legs. Right. You know, does that, no, it just kind of mixes it up, you know. It doesn't make the sex better, but it just makes it different. 
and it's fun to feel. I kind of feel more primal sometimes, like a scratchy little animal. I'm like, take all of me. Well, it's also too, it's just nice to be comfortable with somebody and not have to like have a full face of makeup on every time that you meet up. Even though, like I said, at the mm-hmm. same time, if you're not doing it, yeah, and you're and you're examining all the reasons why you're not, and then maybe go back to the beginning when you really took a lot of care yeah just yeah yeah so that's interesting yeah check in about your beauty status hygiene status uh someone else says one of the simplest things is whoever is home first when the other person gets home you drop everything run up and give a kiss and a hug it sets the tone for the rest of the night um most people look up and say hi and that's about it the visual is whatever i am doing is more important than you and he says, oh, yeah, touch each other's buttholes. So he read all the way down. <laughs> uh, Here, yeah. I've, I've got one. Maybe put your phone down for five minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've started doing that when he gets home because I know that I feel a lot better when he looks away from the screen when I walk in the door. And even better if he gets up, you know, and comes stand in the kitchen with me and make me some tea while I'm counting my tips. Like, no, it, it's oh cer- my God. It certainly doesn't put you in the mood when you're not even more interesting than something that's happening on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I get you so know? pissed at this point. Yeah. And yeah. especially out in public, like if you're going out to have a drink with somebody. I know that after a while you don't have loads of things to talk about over drinks because you see each other every day or perhaps you live together. But... It's still, there's something really profoundly sad to me than being in a bar or a restaurant and looking around and seeing couples sitting there on their phones, not mm-hmm. talking to each other, mm-hmm. sometimes looking down at myself, seeing that I'm on my phone and not talking yeah. to the other person. Like, right. What- it's like, are you guys doing errands and you're taking a break? Like, are you guys checking to see which, like, you know, hardware store are you going to next? Or are you just like looking at other just shit scrolling. while you're on a date? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's a difference. Um, I like to play little um, I spy games with my date or my person to encourage them to put their phone away. If, I, if I'm if i not in a position to where I can call them out. I guess oh, I was about to say, because I just like to passive aggressively just stare. Oh, my God, my, Jen. With my arms crossed. Jen. No, that's not how we communicate. <laughs> Until they put the phone down. If it's, if don't I don't, be like if me. I don't. <laughs> trust myself to snap to be like hey can you put your phone away and actually pay attention if I don't trust myself to like try to say something like that and it to come out wrong then I'll say hey can you play I spy with me or hey let's look around this bar and see like who else would you fuck in here I love that game (laughs) like tell me which person if you had to have sex with one person in here who would you pick which don't be mean, but that can be a really fun game. You know, try to play that game and don't even say anything negative, by the way. That's a fun way where you can like find someone and then say something nice about them. Like, oh, hmm, I don't have a lot of options in here. I'm not really finding anyone attractive, but that lady looks nice. She looks like she'd giggle, you know, like. So anyway, that's a pro tip. Um, I feel like being a stripper or a sex worker, you just like in general have to learn how to pull conversation from people if if you can if they if they don't talk you know lots of open-ended questions yes yeah so do that with your date too you have to date your partner sometimes um oh this lady on here how to keep it fresh no pun intended we shower together every time we always have since the beginning of our relationship it's 15 minutes of uninterrupted us time plus we're clean and naked which is always fun 
that's really cool. You can't do that if you have small children or like maybe a bunch of roommates. But if it's the two of you, that's really cool. And take advantage of that. That is nice. Even though I'm kind of weird, I'm kind of self-conscious about that stuff because I'm the kind of person that gets out of the shower and I look like a roast beef. <laughs> what is that? Are you all pink? I'm like red and mottly from and, the heat and, and just soggy. <laughs> look like a tomato. I get really pink. Good. I get really pink too. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, you could lower the lights. I like to turn the lights off and then put a light on in another room and just open the door so I can like see well enough, but it's not because bathroom lighting is not flattering it's horrible 90% that's why I put a pink light a white light and a blue light in my bathroom and so if you turn the fan on um whether you're pooping or just if you want blue lights <laughs> we call it the blue light special see I don't do that kind of stuff because I don't want to I don't want to lie to myself when I look in the mirror I know pink lights make you look a lot better but I really want to know how grisly I look <laughs> before I leave the house so I can do something about it no, no. <laughs> I've said forever that I wish dressing rooms had the same um hopefully flattering light as the stage because this way I would feel more confident just right constantly being bathed in that oh that's true I mean a, d a dressing room is a different totally that, that's where you kind of start your psychological warfare for, <laughs> put for the, the war night, paint you know? on yeah put the war paint on and like pump yourself up uh, my friend Christina she's Oh, this fabulous photographer. Um, she used to put earbuds in and just listen to a, a TED Talk or music. And it was a really good way of her avoiding gossip and drama, too. Oh, that like, is a good idea. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my... She's doing her prep. You know, she's unwinding. Obviously can't engage with the other dancers or staff. Yeah, I thought that was great. I wouldn't be able to do that because I have too much anxiety. I need to hear everything around me as much as possible or I don't feel comfortable and safe. It's really rare that I put headphones in. Once in a while, I do it if I go to a grocery store I'm really comfortable in and I'm feeling more confident about my, I don't know, self, I guess. Um, but even then, in general, I like to hear because you can't hear if there's like, say, there's an alarm that goes off or there's a shooting in Fred Meyer, you know, grocery store, which could or very you're well late happen. to stage or you're late to stage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what if there's a shooting or you're late to stage? <laughs> I don't know, but I know it. At it's better to be <laughs> on time to stage and get shot. Than to get shot. Okay, we're, we'll have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe beep out. Let's the, just beep out the club. Beep out yeah, the club. There's, I was thinking about that. I'm really grateful that the way it works at Lucky Devil um, and a couple other clubs that I've worked at, they the DJ will prompt you enough and herd all the cattle, but they don't usually... The clubs that I've worked in don't take cuts if you're late to stage. There are clubs in Portland that do that. They like, what? Take what, what, a fine like, you? $20 fine if you're late to stage. Well, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, at they don't fine you. And mm -hmm. they won't yell at you usually in front of people, but you'll mm -hmm. get if it happens a lot you'll oh yeah get a, you stop getting booked. serious talking to and yeah right. and then you're out oh yeah usually what would happen at my club is mm, i would say maybe the dj would be the one who would have to be in that position but more likely in my experience the girls will let each other know like hey if you could just hurry up and that's even kind of rare and i apologize to other dancers coming on all the time i'm like i'm sorry my knees are at bad. lucky devil do you have to stay i can't remember i didn't work there for that long and it's been a while but do you have to wait on stage till you're relieved is that kind of the rule yeah there? that's the rule don't leave the stage Be because it you you just go and it's on the next person mm. who's supposed to be waiting to go on stage so there will be an empty stage and mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I almost just wrote Looks on my bad. whiteboard with a permanent marker. Oh, don't do that. That's what happens when I listen to you talk. I was paying attention. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> at least you're not throwing yourself off a tall, tall I, building. I know, right? But okay. that's sometimes what my talking makes people want to do. Oh, my God. Shut up. Don't shut up. All right. I'm writing down our notes. So where were we? Uh, Ways to keep it fresh. Yeah. We don't touch each other's buttholes. <laughs> this lady read it, too. Um, we have equally active lives outside of each other and together. We have a lot of time doing our own thing. Also, she says, we calendar sex. I'm a big believer in scheduling sex. Huge. There are people who think it's not romantic, but in my experience, those people are the ones who stop having sex. That's really interesting. I calendar so much already. I don't know that I should do this, but. <laughs> I've heard of people doing that. I've never calendared sex. However, I have gotten to a point you know, my schedule is so insane and my work schedule is so nuts that now um, me and my partner at the moment, we schedule time or else. I mean, honestly, I could just work every night and day and just probably never see him again mm. because yeah, I'm that busy. So, so busy. That's why don't bother adding her on Instagram. She's busy and she doesn't. I'm, I'm so busy. It she doesn't play on Instagram. <laughs> I'm trying to more, but yeah, I'm really no, bad you don't about have it. To. You can be on Patreon. Just put all your cool shit there. Uh, let's see. So those are some suggestions for people who have been together. Um, I also want to talk about sensate touch or sensate focus, um, which is something that sex therapists um, and surrogate partners will use and body workers will use. In, so I'll explain what it is. So I'm looking at sexhealthmatters.org. They give a really good example here. They start out introducing, let's say, it says Amanda and Paul. So Amanda has had some trauma in her life and she is struggling with having sexual intimacy. So Paul's very understanding. He's willing to take it slow. They're seeing a sex therapist. So the stage one. So the technique starts, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase from the website. Okay. Non-sexual touching and becomes more sexual as weeks go by. It is designed to foster trust and intimacy between partners. It can help reduce anxiety by focusing on mutual pleasure. So the the stages can vary. It depends on the couple. So is this a way kind of of like decoupling physical sensation from emotional triggers? Am I getting that um, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's... I mean, when you... Sex can move really fast you know if you have anxiety around it right right even if you don't um so I mentioned that we had sex last night boyfriend and I and I've also told you before and I think I've said on this show that the longer I go without sex the easier it is for me to go without sex so me too so I actually had to like try to start psyching myself up for it because I'm like uh I'm tired I could just go to bed but it's been so many days and I know that I, I started to notice the symptoms of us not having sex, which is um, like more distance between our bodies, more space in the bed. Um, I felt very, very more re not resentful. We ha I, I got a little upset yesterday about something that otherwise probably wouldn't have bothered. I feel like it's easier easier to build resentment. Oh, yeah. For sure. It is. Yeah, we've talked about that. So last night when I psych started psyching myself up for it, I said, you know, to him, I said, we're going to have sex tonight. He says, you know, I was hoping so. <laughs> 
I said, I'm going to shower. I'm going to light some candles. I need some time to unwind. Um, and I just want to go really slowly. And he said, okay. So I did all that. I set up the room. And then I got my comfy jammies on and I got under the blankets. And he's like, oh, why are you getting in bed? I think he thought that maybe I'd changed my mind. And I said, because I just want to be comfortable. And I told myself, you know, you're going to do this episode tomorrow and you're going to talk about Sensate Focus. So what better time? So partners take turns touching each other in non-sexual ways, focusing on areas like hands, feet, face, and torso. So we gave each other foot rubs with coconut oil. I mean, we're just out of the shower. He has cute feet. Um, I spent a lot of time playing with his hair and just really admiring his face and how beautiful he is to me. And I closed my eyes and I started rubbing his arms and he started rubbing my arms and it became kind of more the way that I started moving his skin and like pulling on it or digging my nails into it. That was me initiating like a mood change. Right. So and then he acknowledged that by uttering this kind of like growl noise like, okay, (laughs) I'm with you. So stage two this point and this can go over weeks you know like people can move through these phases over weeks we move through them in like minutes but that's the you know our our nature of our relationship is how it is Um, we're comfortable so we don't have to get over like we're not working through our trauma with each other really um but couples touch each other's genitals as well as other parts of the body touch during stage one taking turns The goal is to bring pleasure and become more aware of how the partner responds to certain types of touching. What do you think? Would you try any, would you try this approach? Um, if you had a partner who you feel like would be receptive, do you think you would try this approach? Maybe, you know, I struggle with intimacy a lot. Like it's not very easy for me to do things like that. I don't like being weak. Around weak. people, yeah, that's how I, vulnerable. I don't like feeling weak or vulnerable. Yeah, that's... okay. It's interesting that you equate weak to vulnerable. Yeah, huh? I never really thought of it. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, because right now, I I think this would sound <laughs> sounds great for other couples, but I imagining doing this kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh god. No, that's good. I like your honesty, because there's uh, people listening to this too that yeah, feel sorry. the same. I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm not saying like, I mean, I have, there's a lot of unhealthy things about me. I think generally the more open you can be to things like this, probably the happier you'll be. And I'm not always the happiest person. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. But Well, how boring would this show be if we agreed with each other right? all the time? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is great. Thank you for telling me that. Um, so stage three is mutual touching, gentle penetration, with sex toy fingers or penis. Um, This might involve just inserting the tip of the penis in the vagina, which is really interesting. I actually, when I looked at this yesterday and was like, oh yeah, I'll use this, this is great. I didn't read this far, but that was part of our sex is we were like just playing with like tip hovering and that was amazing because that was a lot of anticipation. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, The partner being penetrated controls the depth and force of penetration. Oh yeah, I ended up doing that too for a while. Anyway, so um, it does say on the bottom, is sensate focus for everyone? Not necessarily. While sensate focus is helpful for many couples, others find other sex therapy strategies more beneficial. And an experienced therapist can guide couples on the most effective techniques for them, which I am not a therapist at all. So take 
from that which you will peoples I have found them to be really helpful it definitely depends on your relationship because I've been in a relationship with people where I didn't feel close enough, and that it's can be telling too right you know yeah attention service and sex industry workers seeking space yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m and 4 a.m class times seeking space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat need a little motivation they are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. So what's next on our doodad? Book roulette. Yay. Oh, good. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six books it is time to take a peek into our bookshelves you have books right yeah bring some books next time all right deal all right okay so pick number one through six five okay the art of sensual female dominance cool. a guide for women by claudia varin claudia varin so i looked through this book a bit yesterday when i was sourcing these and it really is funny. I just, I find, I find people, humans who have done work in sex work or sex therapy or education and maybe only like a, a couple decades ago. And I'm just like, wow, they had such full, rich lives and so much knowledge pre-internet. Is this an older book? Um, this one was published 1998. Oh, wow. Right. So, and this woman is very, very knowledgeable. I found for even, I mean... There might be stuff in here that isn't great or applicable, but I didn't find anything. I found her to be fucking brilliant. So Varin, V-A-R-R-I-N. All right. Pick a page. Pick a number. 32. 32. Hey, that's how old I'll be this year. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Baby. So, I know, right? September 18th. Yes, you can buy me things. Let's see. When I was playing at home, my leather sofa, the whole thing was mine. The floor at my feet was his. 
had an end table, not human, next to it. On this end table, I would carefully and thoughtfully lay out each piece of equipment I thought I might like to use on him that night. I would always bring more out than I intended to use just to keep him guessing. Of course, I made a show of it, passing each one under his downcast eyes before I laid it to rest on the table. I could feel the heat rising off him, see his chest start to heave. He would begin to pant in his desire for me, then I would giggle. I'm a great giggler. <laughs> uh, it's Being a dominant is so much patience and like uh, deep breathing and planning. Uh, I don't have the yeah, time. It sounds like a really psychological mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so what, uh, what kind of toys is she talking about that she was putting on the table? Hmm. I put the book away just now so I don't know I'm gonna say let's see what would be some things that I would use I would say a paddle whether it's wooden or leather or some kind of fuzzy material with anything that's more porous you have to use it on only one person ah okay um so if it's rubber that's easier to clean so she probably had rubber or wood uh wood has to be really well polished btw Splinters suck. Uh, let's see, maybe flogger, uh, spoon, butt plug, ball gag. You know, can we talk? So often when people talk about S and M and domination and all this stuff, there's all. It seems to me like there can often be a lot of accoutrements involved, Mm. and that might be a little cost prohibitive for some people. And some people don't have the money to go out and spend on a bunch of paddles and floggers. Are there household items that you can use instead that are cheap and don't cost any money? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) ooh, I just, I wonder if Kinkley has something. Is this something you can find on Pinterest, maybe? <laughs> Ice. <laughs> DIY floggers. I use a wooden spoon. I use underwear for um, like binding hands um, in a way or shoving it in their mouth or putting it over their mouth or covering it over their eyes. Um, I'm looking at this website. It says spatula. Towel wet with hot water. Ooh, be careful with that. You can burn someone that way. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> cell phone it says a cell phone because the cell phone vibrates ew oh. gross fuck this website butter don't use butter don't butter ever on use, what on don't, toast don't it says <laughs> i'm not even gonna say what this garbage website is it says cut off a slice or chunk whatever suits your appetite and lather it on your bay's sweet spots okay it says bay so another reason place your mouth lick butter off somebody (laughs) unless you're keto that might if you're doing the keto diet that might be okay if it's like grass fed (laughs) place your mouth right where the (laughs) butter is and make sure the butter melts and drips down your partner's body no that's a yeast infection don't do that please don't do that um what are some other household items that's another thing tell us your household items pillow talk at strange bedfellows pdx.com well, give us ideas. I know, then right? write us and Ooh, give us Ooh, Kinkley. Ideas. Here we go. Kinkley never lets me down. I don't have the money for sex toys. Can you give me some inspiring ideas that can be incorporated? Neckties, thigh-high stockings, and scarves. Leather belt, gloves or mittens. A hanger with clamps can be used as nipple clamps. Be careful with all of these things, you yeah. guys. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. All right. Five more books. <laughs> <laughs> what were we doing all right pick a book one through five three 
the victimization of women, law, policies, and politics. Ooh, this should be nice and light. I know, right? By Mal- Michelle Malloy and Susan L. Miller. This was one of my textbooks from school. Uh, pick a page. 139. An illustration. Uh, let's see. We investigated women's use of intimate partner violence by analyzing transcripts from women's, quote, offender treatment groups. In six months of participant observation of three different female offender treatment groups in one state, the authors observed 95 women who participated in the programs. Findings revealed three different types of behavior that led women to be charged with intimate partner violence, truly violent behavior, defensive behavior, and frustrated response behavior. The first category, truly violent behavior, included women who used violence in many circumstances, not just in intimate relationships, for example, against neighbors, other family members, strangers, or acquaintances. So people who are just like truly aggressive. Right. This accounted for the smallest number of women, roughly 5% of the program's clients. What was unique about this group was that the nature of their violence differed from that typically associated with, quote, batterers. A batterer uses violence as a vehicle for getting his or her partner to do something. I'm going to keep reading because this is interesting, okay? Yeah, this is good. Cool. However, from what was observed, the women who used aggressive violence against intimate partners did not have power over the men. The women were not able to control or change men's behavior. In fact, the male victims neither feared them nor changed their behavior out of a sense of intimidation. Responses that would be typical for female victims abused by men. Interesting. Um, I don't know what to think of that. That's insane. You know, I mean... That really wouldn't surprise me because you think about the women who are put in, in, the women who get charged with things, the women who get arrested and charged with things are women who tend to have substance abuse issues, um, violence in their households, there's poverty, um, there's a lot of times survival sex work. So there's a lot of intersections of crime and I think that the women who would be more likely to be labeled as offenders are the women who are already in that you know those groups so it wouldn't surprise me that it's like a poor mother with multiple kids that she's having trouble like taking care of and then if she gets into some confrontation with boyfriend and she hits him defensively I mean she has less recourse or money to defend herself she's just going in the system i guess i just wish i knew more like in in what context are these women going to jail i mean if the partner if she is not battering her partner in in order to intimidate him because the men aren't being intimidated who's calling the i guess i just want to know who's calling the cops who well yeah are the cops are the neighbors just hearing a scuffle and then the cops are showing up and witnessing so the way we're hitting him or how if there is an injury on a partner the other partner always has to be taken into arrested the way it was explained to me when I learned right but if they're doing it defensively when the both partners were go to jail so that's but that's the thing they're saying that as they investigated their cases these Uh. two women researchers so it's not what landed them in there but it's what they determined was the nature of the cases Mm. that got them in they're saying this shit's fucked up I think but I don't know because I just read two paragraphs out of one book (laughs) I mean it's so interesting though that that's sometimes like doesn't sound so cheesy and cliche but like violence is the only language some people understand and sometimes i think that there are couples there there are people that that's how they 
express their need for attention and their need to be heard is by hitting someone else and well yeah i mean but there's a lot of people i mean i i would see families and kids at my daughter's school and like more touching was just in the nature of that family whether it was like shoving them to like hurry up and go i wouldn't do that to my daughter because i've raised her in a way that she would turn on and say don't push me but that's because i raised her that way you know um but some people are pushing each other all the time so it's interesting you say that um, when I was in high school, I was being uh, sexually harassed by this boy. And I've told this story before, so I'll keep it short this time. And I actually ended up um, taking my dad's advice, which was, you know, don't ever start a fight with anyone. But if somebody is like hurting you, you can defend yourself. So I took that quite literally. And I went up to him the next day and I punched him in the face. This was actually <laughs> after I had <laughs> asked him to stop harassing me in the ways that he was. Um, I punched him in the face. Um the harassment stopped all of it you know like i could still probably to this day if i went back to my hometown see him and he'd be like what's up stinger how you doing and then like walk away because that's how it was so it was honestly the only thing that seemed to work in that case <laughs> well i was a very <laughs> violent teenager i would you know i don't know i was in the punk scene and i'm not saying that the punk scene is oh, violent yeah, but in violent. but in it is. but in early 90s it, georgia it, yeah. it was pretty it was pretty hands-on and um you know i didn't want to take any shit from people and so i was scrappy i fought other girls you know that's just how how it was back then but mm-hmm. what, what i found harder is I, to grow out of i mean that i grew up you know you turn 18 you get a job you move on with your life and usually you realize pretty quickly that you can't go through life hitting people punching yeah that that's not how you solve things yeah very well but what i did find it really hard to move on from i came from a really screamy family me too a lot of yelling lots of yelling lots of name calling and then everything's forgotten about five minutes later yeah Um, unfortunately and that took me a, a really long time and a really conscious effort to not not be that way anymore because people don't respond to screaming it they really don't it's a terrible it's a terrible way to to go through life relating to people and now i can't stand screaming if you scream at me i'm done if you call me a name i'm done like i can't have that shit good in my life that's how it should be no that's great i hope other people hearing this can be like hey i can break the cycle too hmm we have time for one more all right one through four Mm, four an underground education by richard zacks so i'm gonna go just straight to the sex area because this is broken up into categories and we talk about sex so hold on we can cut this oh there's a bunch of sex presidential sex scandals oh there it is okay so between 271 and 304 290. Okay. <laughs> Marital sex, the church view in the Middle Ages. The Catholic Church was the single most influential voice in Europe for more than a thousand years, and its theologians repeatedly condoned only one form of marital sex husband above, wife below, for procreation. Foreplay was generally forbidden, as was oral sex or any of the many sexual positions. Medieval handbooks helped outline for priests the penance required when a couple strayed from what would one day be called missionary position. Mm-hmm. Hands to genitals was generally the most minor offense, while oral sex was more taboo, and the most forbidden of all was anal sex, i.e. 
from behind like beasts, which over time evolved in the civil courts into a capital offense. Mm. Well, I have I have a tangent story that kind of has to do with with the church and sex. Yeah. Can we Yeah, do it. Yeah, All we right. have time. Do so it. so right when I first moved to Portland, I don't know, like ten years ago. I was buying furniture for my apartment and you know they have all those like junky warehouses down in southeast in the industrial district that sell weird for office furniture I don't know lots of like church furniture there and there was I went down to one of these and they had it looked like a a little I think it's called a prayer kneeler and it was like a little cushion with a little altery thing did you suck a dick on a prayer kneeler? No, but I, you know, looked at it and it was kind of expensive and I thought about buying it because I was like, oh my God, I want to put this in my apartment and fuck people on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's, um, and I didn't get it. And that's um, always been one of my biggest interior decor regrets. <laughs> that was a really stupid story. Cool story, story, man. <laughs> no, I like that story. I actually still have some. That's funny you say that because I have some churchy stuff I've bought. Um, I mean, you've look, look at the fucking room we're sitting in. Right. Obviously, I have my bathroom. Of- my bathroom has a church Catholicism shame theme. Oh, really? Yeah. Me too. I have crucifixes and me like too. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus looks at you. Well, like- I don't have it. I say me too because my old apartment. Yeah, I actually. I was like, I did that. I'll just move it around into the office now. But I used to have a shame bathroom. Yeah, they're like watching you when you poop and mm-hmm. shower and all sorts of things change the tampon garbage I know I don't know why I like religious art so much from from all kinds of religions especially Catholic old Catholic art I don't know why I think just the beauty and the complexity and the ridiculousness of some of it kind of makes me think that like some people will just I love story well it's an obsession with story Well, and the Catholics really get off on pageantry Oh God! And, or, Look at you know, hats. like yeah, that's part of that's <laughs> part of the whole thing is the ritual and, and the, the history of it, and that it's ornate. It, it's a package. It's an aesthetic. Well, ritual is how you <laughs> keep something alive. That's how you cement it. That's how Ooh. you make it feel special. Um, how that power is used, you know, for good or evil, <laughs> depends. Cool. Oh God, we didn't do our listener questions. Hey friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburned? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. I love getting these messages from all over the world. So this person says, I've been sleeping with a guy and we have more or less rough sex in terms of penetrating my vagina. Last Sunday night, I slept with him and felt a sting in my vagina. 
Next morning, I wake up, go pee, burns like hell the first second. Of course, I don't listen to my body and we have sex again. When he tries to enter with his fingers, I almost scream. Okay, no fingers, more lube, and he slides in fine. I check out my vagina with a mirror and it hurts and I see a small white spot that hurts like hell when I touch it just before the entrance. Next day, I went to my doctor and he gives me cream to moisturize the vagina because the wound probably came from not being wet enough. So I would go to a clinic, an OBGYN specific clinic, because I don't know that your doctor knows anything about pussies. Because if you, ha- if I had a small white wound on my pussy, on the entrance to my vagina, I would not think I will put lube on this. Right. You know, that's not, that's not a bandaid. <laughs> like definitely don't put anything in there for at least a week. Like no fingers, no toys, like you need to give yourself time to heal. Um, And also if, you know, no big deal, but if you guys both have some kind of infection, you're each going to need to take an antibiotic for it to go away or he's going to keep giving it to you because he might not have any side effects or symptoms. Your uh, cisgender males, people with penises, tend to not have side effects as often as people with vulvas, vaginas. Um, Probably one of the reasons for this is because vulvas and vaginas are more likely to be penetrated and to tear and so they're more likely to acquire an infection okay um so that's one reason that people with vaginas tend to have higher um, infection rates than people with penises because we're more likely to receive it um and people with penises are less likely to receive it they're less likely to have an abrasion on the head of their dick well also too i see that later down in the question um she talks about how it still hurts when I go pee and mm-hmm. try to dry the area. And that to me sounds like you're getting a UTI. I've had many UTIs. I'm really prone to them. They're very, 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 very common. Make sure, drink a lot of water and definitely go to the doctor for that because they can turn into a bladder infection. But go to the doctor about that because UTIs can- Go to a different doctor. Yeah, different. This guy sounds like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No. Um, but that can definitely, that can turn into a bladder infection or a kidney infection. Ask me how I know. Mm. And those suck and are a lot more serious than a UTI, which are very simple to treat. Mm-hmm. Also pee af- after you have sex, go pee. Oh, how about this one? You want to read this one? So one of my favorite fetishes is water sports. To an extent, I'm not sure why I like it, but I, I think part of it is because it's like a cousin of squirting. LMAO, smiley face. <laughs> but I never know how to bring it up with any of my partners. My ex and I were together for eight years since we were 13 or 14 and until about 22 or 23 mm-hmm. now. So all of our firsts were together, but she ended up leaving. Yeah, she ended up leaving. And sadly, we just had a mutual breakup. How do I go about getting into that with new sexual partners? 85% or more of the girls I ask either get repulsed or just dismiss me. Thanks in advance. Well, thank you in advance. I I don't know. know. I don't think so. I I like that he's like broken it down to like about 85%. (laughs) Right. I hope you have a spreadsheet and you're keeping track of this. Um, I actually looked, uh, kind of looked up some articles on water sports last Mm -hmm. night. But Let's clarify. Yeah, if anyone's peeing. like, what is water sports? Your Golden play. showers. Yeah. Um, and I really didn't like what I found really? at all. I, I felt like the couple of articles that I found, and I didn't, to be fair, I didn't really look that hard. I was like laying in bed after a couple of drinks, like check, looking, digging around on my phone. Um, but they seemed kind of shamey talking about mm. how uncommon 
really oh, stressing how really? uncommon it is and that women really don't like it and, and i think oh, that's probably bullshit that's probably a because, person who doesn't like it and is a woman wrote that yeah i just i don't think of all the fetishes i don't think it's that weird i don't think it's that weird to be peed on i don't think it's that weird to pee on somebody else Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I just I just don't think it sounds that weird. And on Pornhub, there's tons, you know, it's something there's tons of videos about. It's I don't yeah. think it's that taboo. So maybe you might find that people are a little iffy about it just because they haven't tried it before. Well, they've been shamed. But yeah, yeah, I've had been some shamed, pee play. I don't want it. I don't personally want pee in my mouth, but I've peed on partners like kind of while squirting. I've had pee come out. Um, or I said to B last year, I said, if you keep, I don't remember what he was doing. I think I said, if you keep fucking me like that, I'm going to pee on you. And he was like, okay. And he didn't stop. And I peed on, yeah, it was super hot. (laughs) Um, so the only good advice I would have for that is just stay hydrated, you know, so your pee is more like watery, waterish. Anyway, we'll get to the question. Watery, waterish. Um, you might, honestly, I don't try a specialty dating site. You know what? I was going to go the other route because. Yeah, we want to be radically honest, but you also have to meet people where they are. And a lot of people, I have to think that if I was approached by someone that I really liked and or even liked a little bit and they were very nervous about it and made a big deal about it, like I have to tell you this thing, um, especially if there's all this cultural shame around it. Yeah, I think a lot of people will react badly if you try to bring I it know, up. I guess I would be so relieved that they didn't want to shit on me. <gasps> I'd be like, but there's cool, people that just want to be wanna... shit on too. So I what know. advice do we give those people? I know. So... I'm so sorry. I, it's going to take me a little while to get used to that idea. <laughs> Isn't that so funny that you're like, you're on one and you're like, yeah, it's fine. And we're like, no, <laughs> but no, I feel you. I would definitely have a preference for urine myself. Um, or I do have a preference for urine. Um, I would say this is going to sound totally analogous to everything I always say. Don't bring it up. And if you mention you like squirting, and if she's into that, then try some squirting because you said it's like a cousin to squirting. So if you can do that, that's cool. As someone who is a squirter, there's a good chance that pee is going to come out eventually anyway. And then if that happens, you can be like, you know what? I'm kind of still turned on. I like that too. Hey, I don't know. That's a more natural evolution, I feel like. If you want to, if you feel comfortable telling someone, that's rad. But if you had a bad experience telling people, then try something different. That's what I think. What else says? What else says? (laughs) For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.